0: We've noticed you're manoeuvring very close to gimbal lock. I suggest you move back away, over.
1: Yeah, I'm going around it, doing a CMC auto manoeuvre. Roger, Columbia. How about sending me a fourth gimbal for Christmas? The Interplanetary Podcast. The exploration of space for the benefit of all humankind. Your hosts here in North Devon, Matthew and George Russell. Oh yeah, baby, Collins and Garriott. (laughs) Uh, Do you know what that is? uh, It's uh,
0: it's an actual quote from Apollo Eleven. Yeah, mm -hmm.
1: uh, about gimbal lock. About gimbal lock. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Euler rotation. Euler rotation. I like it. Yes. Um, Yeah, we're gonna have a little uh, chat about that, aren't we? Because that's what you wanted to talk about. Yeah. Oh, it's by the way, it's George. George has joined me on the podcast. Podcast two five nine. Hi, George. Hi. Do you have a nice week? It's uh, yeah, I have a decent week. Yeah. You have still been working on your short film? I yeah, I have. I mean,
0: so it's, uh, it's, it's quite hard, you know, making uh, especially character animation. But you know, okay, just-
1: okay. I just thought this bit, week's week's been pretty busy, so I thought we'd do a sort of space news first this week because there's, yeah. there's been lots going on. Before we go on to. Gimbal Lock and quaternions, which I know for some reason you phoned me up and said, we've got to do this. And I agree, it's quite fun. It's quite fun. But uh, a little bit of space news first. So um, have you seen all the lovely pictures of the James Webb telescope? Now it's arrived at the CSG in French Guiana. I haven't seen those photos. No, no, you can't play piano (laughs) now. Yeah, so, uh, yes, James Webb has, uh, has... gone down the panama canal not the suez canal like i ridiculously said on a previous episode <laughs> <laughs> it has gone down the panama canal on a and arrived on the mn colibri at uh yes down the shallow Karoo river and it's now at the csg and it's been unpacked and you get guess what lucky lucky little Beep, gets to see the photos first as it gets all unpacked and stuff. Uh, is it? I don't know. Who is it? Julio, Julio's been posting all the pictures oh, of really? James. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he gets to see those pickies. Sure, like John Bennick isn't camping
0: outside with like <laughs> telescope and stuff. Yeah, that's the sort of thing he'd do.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, there's one more Ariane 5 launch before the big one. So Ariane, it should be uh, this week, I think. There's an Ariane five launch with a couple of commercial satellites, and then that's it. If that goes really well, we'll see James Webb launch this year. (laughs) Where's
0: that? That's just going to uh, geostationary. No.
1: Was, oh my gosh george do you know oh, wait no no you never thought, listened. lagrange, LaGrange. Uh, I, knew, yes. I knew that I knew yes that. oh my gosh it was like you never listened to the podcast <laughs> <LaGrange> <laughs> point. unbelievable which which one though l1 l2 oh nice yeah this one have uh, my favorite i think l2 is my favorite l2 is yeah, yeah. uh, my favorite I, I think it's l2 anyway um <laughs> uh yeah oh, and you mentioned just now that uh yeah uh uh that a couple of cosmonauts, or are they cosmonauts, landed back down this uh, in this week. What were they doing on the ISS?
0: They were filming a film.
1: They were filming a film. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be the very first feature film or part of a feature film ever shot in space.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's...
1: You, why are the Russians? It almost feels like the Russians have done it just so they can be first at something again. It all seems a little <laughs> bit rushed. Um, yeah, so uh, so this was um, a Russian actress called Yulia Peresild and uh, a, a film director called Klim Shipenko. They went up to film a movie. Guess what the movie is called?
0: Is it called? I don't know what it was. What is it called? It's called
1: the challenge, and it's a kind of sort of semi (laughs) docudrama about um, about how easy it is to train two people up to go up to space to film a film. It's kind of almost a meta film. It's a meta film. Yeah, (laughs) it's like the episode
0: of um, Community. Yeah, with our bed. (laughs) <laughs> it's like that, but like actual and it's, in space. It's like actual,
1: yes, but in space <laughs> and obviously very expensive. Quite controversial, quite controversial this is because some people in Russia have been saying that it might even be illegal to spend Russian money on non-scientific purposes on the ISS. I suppose the experiment is can you film a s- film in space? Yeah, well, that's ex- weirdly, that's exactly what Dmitry Rogozin the uh, Mr. Trampoline Man. Except I was being sarcastic. Except you were being sarcastic, except he said, an experiment to see if Roscosmos can prepare two ordinary people to fly in three or four months. Yeah, that's, that's slightly more, better. Yeah, okay, it is slightly. So uh, lots, of, um, uh, lots of criticism. In fact, one of the guys, um, what this one guy got sacked... <laughs> Sergey Krikolov, director of crewed programs at Roscosmos, he got sacked for speaking out, and then reinstated a few days later when the cosmonauts all went a bit mental about. Hang on a second, you can't get rid of this guy because he's an absolute legend.
0: Can't get of get rid of a. Uh...
1: Oh, Krickaloff,
0: Sergey, yeah, yeah,
1: Sergey Krickaloff. You're joking, aren't you? You can't get rid of him, so they, they bankrupt. They... <laughs> so they reinstated him. Um, so yeah, that it's they've been filming on the ISS for this particular movie to see whether it was possible to train two ordinary folk to go up, and the spacecraft itself, the MS-18, I think it was, that had to be uh, rejigged. So that only one person could fly it. So there's only one. So there's only one commander on there, like a proper cosmonaut, right? And, and the other two are obviously passengers. And the whole thing had to be upgraded so they could do it. Well, it basically, flies itself anyway. Yeah, I know. Like I they've know. never actually used <laughs> the the you know manual docking ever. I don't think or have. They? Well, yeah, they have the manual docking. They've definitely used because during the Mir space station, they, that's when they were trying out all the sort of automatic docking procedures and stuff, right? Like mm. the modern iteration of the Soyuz, surely. Oh yeah, no, they, it docks automatically. But no, they they still have to occasionally take control and and dock it. Yeah, I believe in with with even with Tim Pink Tim Peaks Soyuz, they had to, they had to sort of back out a bit and then manually dock it. The docking bit, though, easy. Yeah. Now, but see, here's an interesting point. In your brain, you must have some kind of inertial measurement unit so that you can kind of work out your orientation. But we'll get onto that. I
0: suppose it's only relative, though. It's not. It's not like from your birth, you know your orientation from that. <laughs> from <part>. your birth.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. It, just like a normal IMU, I guess it needs calibrating every now and yeah. then. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but we, well, where you know it does because you feel sick after a car journey because it's kind of uncalibrated. If you close your eyes and spin around, that, yeah, it's exactly. Just like oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes me feel slightly sick just thinking about it. Um, so yeah, that that's quite funny. I quite I, I, I'm quite looking forward to to watching that. And of course, that's that's uh, the Roscosmos are expanding, ever expanding the Russian orbital segment of the ISS.
0: What happens if the footage actually accidentally got deleted? You know, that would be pretty annoying. It's not the sort of thing you can reshoot.
1: Yeah, it'd be a very expensive thing to reshoot. That's a really good point. All the equipment went up on MS eighteen, MS seventeen. Sorry, they went up on MS eighteen and then have landed back down. This on MS18 um uh, on on 17th of October which i believe is today so it's just happened um exciting huh? pretty crazy yeah uh MS19 is is set to land on the 28th of March 2020 although
0: it's not the first thing that's been shot in space the moon landings uh by by direction of um Neil Armstrong by the director, by the director that faked the moon landings. He was so specific that they had to f- uh, shoot on on actually shoot it on the moon. On the moon, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, you yeah. can't get
1: shoot it on location to fake it. Yeah, exactly. Well, it has that's to a be pl- shot on location. Classic example of fake it till you make it. Exactly. They Except faked, you're making faked, it till you fake yeah, it. <laughs> they faked the moon landing so accurately that they ended up actually making the moon landing. But they still brought like the set and everything like the sound yeah. stage with them. Yeah, yeah. Well, the only thing that you would the only money you would save by faking it is is catering. Is catering. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, that's uh, that's that's interesting. So, a Russian film's been shot in space. Um we've also had a launch to the Chinese Chang'an space station. There's been a launch to the Chang'an as well.
0: I didn't. I didn't know that. That still was. Like, I thought that was retired.
1: No, no, no. Chang'e One and Chang'e Two have both been burnt up. But Chang'e... Chang'e... they haven't called it Chang'e Three. No, 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 no. Because it is the Chang'e... Chang'e One and Chang'e Two were sort of like the, the test. Right. Space stations. Chang'e has gone. Changong is is is
0: uh. Is, uh have they? This is recently built then?
1: Or yeah, yeah, yeah. This was you know went up. It's been manned up until September. The first three crew and the second three crew have gone up this week, and they can in- consist of. And this is Shenzhou 13 went up, and that uh, has Taikonauts, Zhai Jingang, Wang Yaping, and Yi Hangfu, and Wang, I believe, may end up being of um, uh, setting a record. A new record for a Chinese taikonaut of 180 days, um, uh, no, 195 days in space, which is pretty impressive. Um, and of course, she's the first woman to visit the Gong space station as well. How many people have visited? Well, there was there was there was three on there until September. And they landed in September, and then this three have gone up, so six in total on Shangong. And
0: uh, let's let hope for for many more.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, you know absolutely. And uh, what's crazy about the, the 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 Russian segment that's going up soon to the ISS means that the Russian segment of the ISS can dock with the Chang How close are they then? Oh, they're 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 not very close at all. So they would never do that. Well, in in the film in the film, what's it called? The one with Sandra Bullock, where she where where they get hit by um space debris
0: what's it called? Is it called gravity? Gravity, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: gravity. In gravity, well, she's that's... she sort of floats over to the Chang'e. But it's
0: very unrealistic because the Chang'e yeah. is like
1: Yeah, you just wouldn't be able to do it. It's just, <laughs> it's, just it's in a completely different inclination. As you know, that orbital mechanics of going across inclinations is like insanely different. Well, difficult.
0: technically, you would only need a small amount of fuel if you're willing to wait
1: like many years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think she had many years to spare though. <laughs> it was like that's uh, yeah, I don't it's uh, not quite not quite accurate, but hey, that's fine. Um uh so yes, there's another Changong uh uh Shenzhou fourteen mission as is, is the one after this. So another three were joining that. So the, you know, the Changong's going really well. Well done. Well done, Chinese. Um SpaceX have been having a go at the British rival OneWeb because uh SpaceX are basically saying that uh, um that's, that that one OneWeb are trying to kind of get the regulator to, to get everyone to play ball with each other, and that's slowing down their Starlink superfast internet access for customers. But OneWeb have basically pointed out that they're the first people to have a proper international um, agreement to actually do this thing. So they had it first, so SpaceX are the kind of agents of change and getting in their way rather than the other way around. Right. It's interesting, isn't it? So um yes. So it's all sort of starting to shape up the one web SpaceX battle. And Bezos has been wading in with sort of saying, Oh yeah, that these one uh, the Starlink satellites aren't stable enough and they're not good enough, and Elon Musk getting a strop about that as well. There's so. any
0: room for one uh,
1: relay mesh in orbit. Is that right? Do you yeah. think? I don't know. No, I don't know. Western- I would have thought- It'll be they're slightly different systems, aren't they? One Web and Starlink. Starlink is going to be sort of relying more on direct communication with a satellite, whereas One Web is being slightly smarter and, and communicates with ground sort of stations and relays it on. So there's going to be the slightly different technologies. So it's interesting, but also One Web are obviously launched on Europe European style Soyuz out of CSG normally. Although they have been out of Vostok as well, so they so they've been uh, launching on Soyuz, but they've just signed an agreement to launch on the GSLV Mark III, which of course is India's nice big uh, heavy lift vehicle. Is
0: that the first heavy lift vehicle?
1: Uh, no, it's not their first one. Because you'd think the Mark III might suggest that there was a Mark II before. The Mark
0: II not, might not
1: be, you know. Yeah, might it may just not be have, a, yeah. might be like the Chang'an II. Yeah, it might be like the Chang'an I and Two, although they were actual space stations. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, it's Ariane space. Normally fly the one web up. But, uh, yeah, the Indians are now looking like they might do as well. Um. But, yeah, SpaceX are also going to be launching VADA Space Satellite, which is is another of these satellites that's there to try and launch um, manufacturing into space. So it's a kind of test thing. So they're going to fly a bunch of materials up into space, land it, and see how space affected those materials. So we're sort of slowly inching towards manufacturing in space as well. Yeah, I and mean, that's
0: an important one: asteroid mining and things like that.
1: Yeah, Ma- yeah, asteroid mining to get the raw materials, and then actual manufacturing in space. Manufacturing in space is, is goes all the way back to Soyuz Six, I think it was, where they tried to do a bit of welding. Out I mean, in they space. have yeah, the of like repairs and things. Yeah, and so. obviously in the International Space Station, they've got a three D printer. And they, you know, make um fibre optic cables up there and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, if your resources are from space, why bring those resources down back Oh, yeah, to no, Earth? you'd be mental to yes, exactly. Just so to you, then yeah, yeah. bring them back up. It is true. Whatever you make in space, you better mine it in space as well, or else it really kind also, of. Also, becomes... what whatever you mine in space. If you're planning on using making yeah. it into a rocket, just make it in space. Make it in space or on the moon, where somewhere where there's a smaller gravity well. Yeah, true. Because or... no. some, sometimes it's quite nice to have like a firm base to build it on? Sometimes. Mm. Although sometimes the zero gravity is like
0: you know, is good. It means mm. you don't have to worry about it like breaking on its own weight.
1: Hmm. Radiation though. Oh man, radiation is still a problem when you start reading about it. Um yeah, so that's all very interesting. Uh George, go on then. Tell me a little bit. Well I'm gonna tell you about gimbal lock first.
0: Before and then, I tell and you,
1: before you tell me about the solution which you were telling me about, so gimbal lock. As we heard, they had a bit of a gimbal lock problem on the uh, on Apollo, and one of the reasons why is they chose very early on to have a three gimbal system, which is normal. So, I, sp- I suppose we should really start with the kind of three degrees of freedom that your spacecraft has. Yeah.
0: So, for most, for at least in the in the sixties and things like planes and, and rockets as well, we're using Euler rotation, which is uh, pitch, yaw, and roll.
1: So uh, I'm going to explain pitch, yaw, and roll. So if you get your hand and stick it on a table flat, you're as if you're wiping the table... So if you're moving your hand left to right, that's your yaw of your aircraft. If you imagine your fingers being the nose of the aircraft, so yeah, that's and your like, yaw. And your
0: thumb and pinky being the wings.
1: Yeah, and, and so if you're sort of wiping the table...
0: That's your. <laughs> that's your That's like what your car does yeah. when it rotates, when that, it yeah, turns.
1: Yeah, and then if you if you do a wheelie on your bike or lift your fingers off the table, that's your pitch. Or if you lift the palm off the table, that's your pitch. And then roll... Is if yeah yeah if you start rolling your hand along the table um, with your you know around your arm yeah so on a plane the rudder
0: controls the your the uh, elevator controls the pitch and the.
1: Elevon or the, the uh, other the other one. Well, I don't fly a plane. Although I'm gonna I'm gonna try and get a flying lesson this year. Yeah. I, well, we will uh, have to know that. Yeah. Yeah. So so we will have to know that. Yeah. So <laughs> so you've got those three um, axes of rotation. Now you can have something that is measuring what you're – if you're out in space, in particular if you're out in space. Obviously, it's really hard to tell what the hell's going on because you've got very little sort of frames of reference or. Or landmarks to judge where this, you're pointing. You don't know where down is. Yeah, where you're point, where you're pointing up or down, or yawing or rolling. And well, yaw and roll you can know because just just because it's
0: relative to your spacecraft. But it's just a problem of like the up and down of the entire yeah, universe, so, yeah, as opposed so, yeah, to yeah, your yeah. spacecraft. Yeah, yeah.
1: So, but but what you want is like a system, and and most famous, you have got that eight ball thing that's in the cockpit of a of a Spacecraft and that kind of tells you roughly where you're pointing. I mean, they put those in planes, and yeah, 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 yeah. you'll see it on, um, you know, like a 747 or something. So, they're known as inertial measuring units, I think. So, they're actually measuring your inertial, uh, where you are in inertial space. And, and, and they also are called nav balls. Your nav balls, yeah. I think the nav balls will just show your uh, your and everything that you're kind of positioning, whereas the inertial stuff actually shows your acceleration and things like that as well because I've got motors that are looking at the gimbals. So the gimbals are three rings that surround the actual platform itself that's doing the measurement.
0: Yeah, and they start off 90 degrees from each other so so that you could theoretically get any rotation of that gimbal relative to the spacecraft uh, with those three axes.
1: Yeah, but what's the problem with that? Well, the problem
0: is, let's say... We have these uh, th- three rings, mm-hmm. and they're each rotating on, on axes ninety I- degrees from one another. If you rotate one of the rings ninety degrees, then you have two rings that rotate on the same axis, which means that one of one of your rotations, one of your degrees of freedom, has now disappeared. You can't. You can rotate one axis twice, another axis once, and the the final axis you you're, you can't rotate on
1: which which renders your inertial measurement unit useless right? well it just
0: messes it up completely on on one axis or at least one axis
1: so you lose one of your axes so you're no longer measuring your you're no longer doing any kind of dead reckoning along that you'll only be measuring pitch and yaw or roll and yaw you won't be measuring like all three so what's the solution what was the apollo solution to that that, po- they didn't have one. Well, no, they, well, they did. They did. They sort of had. They had a kind of. Well, ch- well the, well, the cheap, dis- yeah. yeah, yeah. The early discussion was that they would have a fourth gimbal, so you can have a fourth ring that you can arbitrarily move, although to, to stop that from happening. Yeah, but the problem with that, like again, well, you'd it just have adds to complexity. You'd presumably. have to motorize that. Yeah. It wouldn't have to be free, like all the others mm. are
0: passive. But um, yeah, the, the, their solution with the three thing was to just have a light on on the dashboard of the of the Apollo uh, module that there was just a gimbal lock and then it would light up if you're close to two um, rings aligning. Yeah. And so if they were maneuvering the spacecraft and they saw that that light up, they would have to move just in a random... Or, you know, just to to
1: avoid gimbal lock. Yeah, and when it gets close... When it gets close to Gimbal Lock, like 70 degrees, I think the light comes on, and when it gets to 85 degrees, the, the system just shuts up, so it never actually gets to yeah. Gimbal Lock. So what Michael Collins was doing in his when he was in the in the lunar module was that he was trying to look for Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong by manoeuvring his craft but and, and trying to look out the window because, of course, the window, you can't sort of look round the corner, so he's manoeuvring yeah. his cl- craft but he but he realized he can't get it too close to gimbal lock so it's like frustratingly you you've got to keep an eye on what you're doing and every time he's just about to see them he gets close to gimbal lock and has to come back off
0: and this is yeah this is a massive problem also in computer graphic as well so I'm, anytime I'm doing like animation and stuff I often find that I can't rotate rotate an object in a certain direction because it it yeah because of gimbal lock but the solution is is obviously maybe well, maybe not. Obviously, for most people, but. <laughs> it definitely isn't obvious. <laughs> uh,
1: the, yeah, well, yeah, but before you get there, the, the bit that the, that I found interesting was that the reference point that you're using, where your your roll and pitch are all at zero, is your landing spot on the moon. So if you have your landing spot on the moon as zero zero zero, that that that's where that's where it's set. Yeah. So that w- w- as you're landing, you're trying to get all of them to zero. You want to point up. You want to have it all at yeah yeah. yeah. And uh, so if you're going down, so this is an interesting one. If you're going down and you pitch up, is it plus thirty degrees or three hundred and minus three hundred and thirty? So so it's is it. That way or that way, and here's a, here's a really good one. So if you get your if you get your right, it's a right-handed system. So if you point your thumb forwards, right, yeah, your roll is in the direction that your fingers are pointing. So that is that's right. Hand, so that's that's, that's positive, yeah. So so it most of them are right-handed systems. So the roll is in that is in that direction. I suppose that kind of makes sense because of clock goes yeah. the positive direction yeah, clockwise. It's, it's, it's so, clockwise yeah it's clockwise yeah uh, so that uh, ma- it kind of makes in sense in a right handed system yeah as lo- yeah in the direction of travel but that's cool isn't it so yeah you you can you can have a look at though you can have a look at that so there is yeah to avoid gimbal lock there's a couple of solutions there's that fourth gimbal which they had on gemini so armstrong thought it armstrong thought that michael collins had been very very funny when he said, "Can I have a gimbal for Christmas?" Because <laughs> they'd they'd both been used to four gimbal systems on Gemini, but they decided not to have it for Apollo because it's too expensive. It just it makes it more c- complex. And Paul Fjeld, who's a, who's a friend of the podcast, he's he's written in quite a few times. His his kind of conclusion from that was that you could that obviously Apollo was less about innovation and more about time management. It was more about innovating management and working to Kennedy's, we've got to do this before the end of the decade. So it's like, we've got to get this stuff off the shelf. So things like the Polaris missile system had three gimbal IMUs, and so they went with that instead of, like, you know, designing and making something heavy that was better. Yeah. So they just just went with kind of what's the expedient thing to do. So... You know, you can tell from the, these kind of decisions, it's much more about time management than it is about uh, in a, a technical innovation in I mean, some ways.
0: If you can go to the moon with with only three, th- like three axes, yeah.
1: Is, is, but it, but here's the other thing: because you've only got these three axes and you want to avoid gimbal lock, they had to map out the entire uh, orientation of the spacecraft against stars. For the entire journey to the moon, to make sure that there wasn't a point where you were going to go into gimbal lock, so you, there's there's like various things that they had to do to avoid this gimbal lock situation. Yeah. How cool is that? That is quite cool, yeah. So, what's the other solution other than the fourth gimbal?
0: Go. Well, it is it's kind of a fourth degree of axis. So you have X, Y, uh, and Z, but then you add the W, right? So that's that's the fourth axis. But you're using a, a number system called quaternions. Okay. And so, if you're if you're familiar with um, complex numbers, which are mm-hmm. essentially you have a number which is made up of real numbers, like that would be any number that you know you can count to, like one, two, three, four, et cetera. But then it also has a component of how many
1: um, multiples of the square root of minus one it has. And that's useful, isn't it, for graphing in more than two dimensions? Well, two dimensions. Oh, oh two dimensions.
0: Yeah. Is, yeah. Yeah. So, for example, the Mandelbrot set is mapped on uh, a graph which maps how many square root of minus ones a value has and how many real numbers a, a
1: value has yeah and and uh, imaginary numbers definitely are really useful for plotting things like sine waves and
0: well yeah and um, they also and, and
1: they turn up in quantum mechanics and, and yeah, yeah. that well, yeah well, anything that has a, a as a wave function they're, they're blooming useful right oh uh, yeah just any kind of 2d 2d stuff but but the
0: problem with that is obviously you can't use two axes to represent um, three three uh, D rotation. You actually need four axes to avoid gimbal lock, and that's where you know that's what quaternions are for. So quaternions are an extension or a generalization of um, complex numbers. Where instead of just real numbers and i, you have uh, real numbers
1: i, j, and k, and all of so all that imaginary, and cur- imaginary, cur- imaginary numbers.
0: Yeah, all of the you know. <laughs> Yeah, and then just just real. I, I, I nicked George's joke from earlier. Yeah, it's, it's like, <laughs> it's like um... uh, but anyway, so you have you have these, and then for, with that you can use that as a as the method of like transcribing a rotation. So any rotation will be some some uh, combination of these values for how many I's you have, how many J's you have, how many K's you have, and how many real numbers
1: yeah so instead of having these gimbals you can just have a piece of equipment that's that's measuring the movement that's you know, that's directly attached to the hull of the spacecraft presumably and then and then just needs to know where it is and then each each so you've got four units measuring where it you know its 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 movement and then you can apply that in a quaternion to get your exact orientation of your spacecraft. The problem with quaternions is that they're
0: not intuitive at all. Like you can't look at, uh, unlike with Euler rotation, you can look at 90, 90, 30 and instantly like kind of imagine what that would look like. You just have to Hmm. think of those rotations in your head. But with quaternions, you can't, there's no intuition whatsoever really. Like unless you really study it and know it. Mm. Which I haven't. <laughs> uh, you, you, it's impossible to think of, you know, intuitively, which which is a problem. But for computers, you know, computers just do calculations anyway, right? So they don't. There's no problem for computers to mm. to understand quaternions. But it, the, the problem is with humans. So maybe it's converted into Euler for for the humans after after the fact.
1: Yeah, well, I've seen. I, I was reading because I was trying to get my head around this, and I think things like. Um... Things like, you know, your quadcopters. You've got your little chips on board that are measuring your quaternions. So like, they've got these little inertial sensors that are, that are part of a strap-down system. Apparently that's what they're called. And, um, and then th- that gives you your sense of rotation and acceleration as quaternions. And then that can be transposed into Euler uh, um, angles for use on the motors themselves. So the motors then adjust your, your quadcopter accordingly. So you get the bo- best of both worlds. get the best, best of both worlds, it's yeah. It's intuitive, but it's also, you, you completely avoid gimbal lock. Yeah. Of course, you can af- avoid gimbals as well by having fluid bearings or a flotation chambers with all, with it mm. all in. Now, that,
0: that that. you kind of have infinite degrees of rotation at that point, which yeah. is what an apple is. It's like a ball inside of oil. Yeah. That has a, within it a
1: gimbal. Uh, yeah. So, how how did um, Lord Kelvin didn't exactly like these, did he? Well, I mean, I don't think anyone does. So this is how <laughs> this is how Lord Kelvin described yeah. it. Cartonians came from Hamilton. Artists' really good work had been done, and though beautiful, ingenious, have been an unmixed evil to those who have touched them in any way. It's true. I didn't know uh, Lord Kelvin was Irish. Yeah, he's from Belfast. He's from Belfast. As is Hamilton he's from is irish he's from dublin i think hamilton was um uh, invented the Quaternion. wow yeah hamilton the hamiltonian appears in quantum physics quite a lot as well he's quite a clever chap although hamilton never knew anything about quantum mechanics no no he wouldn't have done that no, despite no. being yeah despite uh, yeah, m- it's more, more to do with the fact that he's very good uh, he's the hamilton the hamiltonian's part of um calculus isn't it yeah yeah Anyway, (laughs) he came up with Quartonians, and uh, yes, uh, Kelvin was uh, very annoyed by them because they're totally counterintuitive, but very, very useful, like you said, for animators and stuff like that. Yeah. There's a really good clip, isn't there, of a football game where someone's heading the ball... (laughs) And because of the way that it's animated and gimbal lock, it looks like their head has kind of flipped over (laughs) in a kind of disgusting way. Yeah,
0: that that recently with the International Space Station going like doing a crazy spin um, after what a Russian. Yeah, the Norka module just randomly firing. um, Loads of people tried to animate it in Blender, but forgot. but, But because all of the like data for that rotation was in quaternions. You had animations of the of the space station like randomly flipping around because they forgot to convert to quaternions before. Uh, but o- often I actually just switch to to Euler in in Blender and things like when I'm doing computer graphics, just because it's it's just easier. <laughs> and it, as long as you avoid gimbal lock, you know. Yeah. If you can go
1: to the moon, you can make an animation. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good point. Um, that's it, George. We're going to keep this nice and sweet. We're going to keep this a nice and sweet uh, short podcast. I, oh, actually, I will have to say, my favourite thing happened this week. What? William Shatner went to space. Really? Yeah, Captain. The person who played Captain Kirk in his nineties becomes the oldest person ever to be the, to go to space. Possibly the most famous person associated with space as well.
0: Yeah, that is true. If only Mark
1: Hamill went to space. Yeah, actually, Mark Hamill should go to space. Maybe more. Oh, maybe someone from the Star Wars universe is going up on the next Jeff Bezos flight because they're unnamed at the moment. That's a really good shout.
0: Yeah, you know Harrison they, Ford. They should get. They should get the entire cast of of, oh of stuff, like God. G- imagine that. You know, like uh, George Lucas. Mark George Hamill. Lucas,
1: Mark Hamill, and Harrison Ford unfortunately, Princess Leia can't go up. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, but then I just realised. Yeah, no, that's a bit unfortunate. So Chewbacca. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Chewbacca, R2-D2, <laughs> and C-3PO. Yeah. No, but it'd be quite good if Harrison Ford and Mark Hamill are on the next flight. That would be so cool. That would be really and cool. And then uh, jo- uh, Harrison Ford could turn around to Mark Hamill just as about to take off and say... I've got a bad feeling about this. Oh yes. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> that's really cool. That is really cool. Actually, I've, uh, that's a really good bet that, the, that one of those two might be on the next um, on the next uh, Blue Origin New Shepard flight, which is happening this year. They're going to try and make them twelve times a year. Twelve times a year. That's ah. Oh, and Virgin Galactic are having a nightmare. They've been massively delayed until like for at least six or seven months. Because they're testing how strong the materials are. Because obviously there's a there's some strain on some component that's more than they thought it was, and so now they've got to test if the materials of that component are they strong just, enough to take it.
0: They should just use the same material that Nokia's are made of.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because or,
0: I, I mean I, that is basically the best
1: material, surely in, in the world. Yeah, it's, yeah, the yeah, strong, yeah. it's definitely the strongest. strongest. Yeah, try try and destroy a thirty-three ten impossible impossible <laughs> George what are you doing this week
0: I'd, just, I'd probably be I mean I'm doing lots of fractal stuff using quaternions weirdly but also just complex numbers generally nice but yeah. uh,
1: as well as working on my short film as well cool and school and school yeah schools. school gets in the way doesn't it yeah I'm, I've got to do school as well <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we're both uh, just doing school yeah we're just both doing school and then we got half term yes yeah. getting right okay I think that's about time we'd leave the Spodcats with their heads blown on Cortonians and Gimbal Lock. Bye bye, Spodcats!